Welcome to a brand new episode of the Review It Rob show. I am, of course, the one and only host of this show, Review It Rob, coming at you after a pretty good weekend, man. Had a pretty freaking awesome hang. Watch along with my uh, brothers over there at the Hauntas and sister, I guess, with uh, Haunter, Haunter B. <laughs> and had a good watch along hanging out with Mark and his wife and good watch along of Saw and... uh Whatever other movie we watched, what was it? It was uh, the, the the freaking From Dust Till Dawn. That movie. The movie starring uh, George Clooney and uh, freaking Quentin Tarantino. And then, uh, you know, Sam Hayek. You know, that movie. Uh, so, cool little watch along there. And then after that, a couple hours after that, uh, one-third of the Haunters, because I'm good at math. <laughs> uh, one-third of the Haunters, Mr. Wonderful himself, uh, joined me as we joined... The awesome podcast, and I'm a fan of the at uh, What the Trailer podcast. Fun times over there. They freaking look at new trailers and review them while watching them and talk about them. So, great podcast. We got the opportunity to be on that podcast. That episode should be dropping soon um, as the recording of this episode. Um, if you're listening to this much later, it's already out. <laughs> it's already happened. So, that was a good time, man. That was a good, fun time to do that. Uh, other than that, I have... Finished up on um, A Nightmare on Review It Street. Uh, there's one more episode left, so I finished watching all the movies. Now there's just one more episode left where I go over my rankings of the films and my favorite uh, kills of the films and stuff like that. So that's uh, it's been a great time. I'm going to talk about that more. That is over on my Patreon. Uh, $4 a month. Not a bad deal. You get that. Uh, you'll be getting me talking about the uh, Arrowverse. You'll get me talking about Halloween Horror Nights, and uh, there's a show coming about horror movies as well. So, all that stuff is in the lineup. All that stuff is coming very soon. And speaking of coming soon, I am getting my COVID vaccine shot um, tomorrow as they're recording this episode. So again, if you're listening to this at a later time, you get the spiel. <laughs> but I'm finally getting the shot, man. I am doing it as precaution obviously it's something that you know needs to be done we need to be safe we need to take care of ourselves also doing it because just in case there's somewhere i want to go be it carowinds be it universal studios where they're like they get to a point where like hey show us you got vaccinated you can get in here sans a mask or something like that i don't know if that's going to happen who knows if that's going to happen but just in case you know I'm good and prepared for that and i've been able to successfully avoid the covid for over a year now and you know i want to keep it that way so Getting that thing done tomorrow, uh, I've heard no really bad side effects or anything. I'm getting the Pfizer one. I think most people are saying just like take a Tylenol after you get it because you get like a headache or something like that. I don't know. I've been, <laughs> I didn't look too much into it. I just know I need to get the vaccine to be safe, be able to hang out with my friends and all that good stuff. So can't wait. That's going to be done very soon as well. So moving forward, man, looking forward. We're going to be there soon. And so we can look forward to talk about the Patreon Nightmare on Review Street. Um... The Nightmare on Elm Street franchise deep dive have almost ended, which means we're about to jump right into Saw. Saw is the next film franchise I'm jumping into. Again, that's over on my Patreon. Four bucks a month, man. Not not a bad deal. So uh, with that said, let's uh, jump into the news for this week. Starting it off with huge news for me and a lot of you DC diehards out there. We finally... It has happened. After over six years of waiting... The Ezra Miller starring Flash movie is finally begun production. <laughs> That's right. Ezra Miller starring the Flash movie has finally moved into production. That was announced earlier today by Andy Moschetta, who is directing the movie. 
And that is awesome, man. I can't, I'm so freaking excited for this. I've mentioned it hundreds of thousands of times already on the show, so I'm not going to deep dive into it so much, but my favorite superhero is The Flash. And I'm an Ezra Miller fan. He's one of my favorite actors. So I can't wait for this movie. The film is scheduled to arrive in theaters uh, next year, November 4th, 2022. And like I mentioned, Ezra Miller will be returning as the Scarlet Speedster. Um, also joining Ezra Miller will be Kiersey Clemens, who is playing Iris West. If you saw Zack Snyder's Justice League, you saw her. She was in there. Uh, we've got Maribel Verdu, who's playing Nora Allen. That would be Barry Allen's mom. And we've got Sasha Kali, who is an uh, up-and-coming, on-the-rise actress. She is starring officially as Supergirl. And this is the, she's the second only lady to ever portray the character on the big screen. So, that is huge news right there. And um, Golden Globe nominee Ron Livingston has been cast to replace Billy Cundrup as Harry Allen, or Henry Allen, excuse me, Henry Allen. And it has also been uh, confirmed that Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck will be reprising their respective versions of Bruce Wayne slash Batman for the film. Um... That was huge news because on an earlier episode, if you're following along with the show, which if you are, thank you very much. I'm glad you support the show. It means a lot. Um, I talked about how Michael Keaton said he hasn't really officially signed on to the movie yet. He's worried about COVID restrictions and everything where they're filming the movie. Uh, now, we, as of today, as of the beginning of production for the Ezra Miller starring Flash film, Michael Keaton's talent uh, representation, ICM Partners, has confirmed that Michael Keaton will indeed be appearing in the appearing as the Batman in freaking The Flash. I'm so super soaked, so excited about that. Um, I really like Ben Affleck's Batman a lot, so I'm glad we're going to see more of that. And I'm so excited because Michael Keaton's Batman was my first introduction to Batman. That has always been like my Batman. When people are like, hey, who's your favorite Batman? Michael Keaton, every single time. And I'm so happy to see him come back. Um, not confirmed if he's going to be in the freaking rubber suit or he can't move his neck or anything. I'm sure he's not. But, um... Hopefully that classic Batmobile returns because that is the greatest Batmobile of all time. Fight me. I don't care. That is the greatest Batmobile of all time. Um, so there you go. A lot of news going on with The Flash. Other news revolving somebody I'm a huge fan of. Um, quite honestly, probably my favorite director and my favorite singer. Uh, according to Bloody Disgusting, Rob Zombie's rumored movie reboot of the classic 1960s sitcom The Monsters could be turning into an original-slash-exclusive for NBC's Peacock streaming service, and they'll be doing a day-and-date in theaters via Universal Pictures, similar to what Warner Brothers is doing with HBO Max. So like how Godzilla vs. Kong, or is it Kong vs. Godzilla? Whatever. Um, alphabet. <laughs> but, you know, how that released same day, and then it was uh, on the streaming service as well, which, by the way, Godzilla vs. Kong, still killing it at the box office right now, so... That lets you know that whole idea of streaming and dropping movies at the same time. Not a bad deal. And I'm pretty sure that's going to keep going. Um, maybe not as much as what Warner Brothers is doing right now. But I think it will definitely be something that's going to continue. So, Rob Zombie's film reboot of The Monsters will reportedly begin filming in May. And will feature, of course, his lovely wife, Sherry Moon Zombie, as Lily Munster. And Jeff Daniel Phillips as Herman Munster. Cast will also reportedly include Richard Brake, Dan Robach, George Garcia, and Cassandra Elvira Peterson. Uh, this is, of course, still not officially confirmed, but with all this information coming out, it seems like it's pretty daggum set. Unless people are just coming up with shit out of their ass. <laughs> and that's kind of how it works. You know, shit comes out of ass. Yeah, you know how it works. Biology. So... 
there you go, man. I'm, for one, excited. I know there's a lot of people who are pissed off about it, and there's a lot of people shitting on it because they just love to hate Rob Zombie for some reason because his style's not their style. You know, that's kind of how the world works. If it's not your style, hey, we're going to shit on it instead of being like, okay, I don't like it, but it's okay if you like it kind of deal. Now we're just going to shit on it because that's how the world works these days. And I'm going to get into more of that later on uh, in the news here. But I, for one, am super stoked and excited. Like I said, Rob Zombie's one of my favorite directors, if not my favorite director, and I've loved all his stuff, man. It took me a while to get used to Lords of Salem, and I don't hate 31, but I have not watched 31 in a while. But, um... You know, that's a Patreon. You know, I'm going to do the Rob Zombie films on Patreon as well. So, again, $4, 4 bucks. I'm going to go through all the Rob Zombie movies. But there you go, man. That seems interesting. I'm all for it. He's a huge fan of the Monsters. He recently did a commentary track with Butch Patrick, who I just so happened to get to meet not too long ago when I went to Tennessee with my brother when we did a uh, road trip out there. So that was um, it was cool meeting Butch Patrick, man. That's a legend from my childhood right there. And uh, I know people are like, what? You're that old? No, I'm not that old. But, you know. I, I, I've always been, I guess people could call it like an old soul, like stuff that's classic. I kind of gravitate towards, like, don't get me wrong. I love new stuff and all that stuff and everything, but I do like the classic sitcoms, especially comes Adam's family's my all time favorite TV show. And I enjoyed the monsters a lot and I enjoy classic music. So, I mean, you know, it works. Uh, speaking of classics, maybe not as old as the monsters, but, uh, 2004, Alfred Molina has given some details about Doc Ock's return in Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, there you go. So, I don't know if that's ever been officially confirmed. Confirmed. It was always a rumor on the internet, but he's freaking talking now. So, he's he's talking about it. So, obviously, it's happening. Um, he, he goes on his quote to say, When we were shooting it, we were all under orders not to talk about it because it was supposed to be some great big secret. Molina said with a laugh during an interview with Variety about his role um, for Promising Young Woman. Uh, he was talking about Spider-Man because, of course, they asked him about it. He's like, but, you know, it's all over the Internet. I actually described myself as the worst-kept secret in Hollywood. Not only did Molina confirm in this interview with his involvement in No Way Home, he happily detailed his experience making the movie and returning to a part he first played in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2 back in 2004, uh, saying, quote, It was wonderful. It was very interesting going back after 17 years to play the same role, given that it's in uh, intervening years. I now have two chins, a waddle, crow's feet, and slightly dodgy lower back. Uh, when the actor asked John Watts, the director of No Way Home, how the movie would bring Doc Ock back, since, as he pointed out, quote, I died, <laughs> Molina said the director told him, in this universe, no one really dies. We're going to get back to that in a second. And there... Earlier conversations, Molina said Watts told him that the movie will pick up Doc Ock's story from that moment in the river where he died, <laughs> which uh, in a franchise that includes multiverses, time travel, and diverging timelines seems plausible enough. Molina's concerns were more practical. He said that he asked Watts how they were going to deal with the fact that he's at 67 years old at the moment. He's aged since the 2004 film. Quote, he just looks at me and said, did you see what we did to Bob Downey Jr. and Sam Jackson? Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home is currently scheduled to be hitting theaters this Christmas time, uh, December 17th, 2021, which we should be getting a teaser for that pretty soon. We got a teaser for Shang-Chi. We're going to talk about that later, but, um, should be getting a teaser for that. Maybe around E, not E3, um, Comic-Con. I'm sure they're doing a virtual Comic-Con again this year, so 
I guess we'll look for it around then. Um, but yeah, there you go. He's talking about it. He's going to be in the movie. It sounds like they're going to be doing some de-aging effects again like they did with Robert Downey Jr. and what was it? Civil War. And Samuel Jackson in uh, Captain Marvel. So there you go. It's cool. That's confirmed. So you can only begin to start imagining, all right, that's a villain from Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man's rumored to be a part of this movie. So there you go. Um, Electro, Jamie Foxx's Electro, who is a villain in Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. Andrew Garfield's uh, supposedly returning as well. So there you go, man. That seems seems very, 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 very plausible that all this uh, rumors we've been seeing is actually going to happen. And I can't freaking wait, man. I love Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. I've always been on record as loving his Spider-Man. He is my Spider-Man forever and always. And I, I, I'm excited about the possibility of seeing him return because it seemed like he kind of got... He got, you know, kind of screwed over. I mean, let's be honest. There was, like, some kind of hack that happened at Sony and um, at the time he was playing Spider-Man and they detailed what Spider-Man 3 was going to be and it got a lot of hate and, you know, they essentially shut everything down at that point and then decided to move forward with um, teaming up with the MCU, which has worked out pretty well for him. So, you know, no hate. It's Hollywood. Stuff like that happens. But I, I, I love Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man and hopefully we're going to get back to a point where He's at least going to be in this movie, and maybe it spins off into something. Who knows what this multiverse thing is going to do with them. Um, so there you go. That's going to be very interesting. But I wanted to go back to uh, the quote, in this universe, no one really dies line. Um, that seems troubling. And the reason I say that is because it kind of annoyed me. You already know how annoyed I am with this Black Widow movie. And now with that kind of line, it gives like lead way like, oh, is she really dead? Because we can pull her out of another multiverse. And then that goes the same for Iron Man and then Captain America. So these deaths that you've put on screen mean pretty much nothing now because, hey, we're going to bring the characters back, right? Um, I don't know what they're doing with Captain America. It's been rumored for a while. Chris Evans might be returning for something. Beat a flashback scene. We don't know. The um, final episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier is this week, I believe. So... Who knows if he shows up in that? Who knows what's going on there? Um, talk about that more on the Disnoids because we've been watching that show together. Uh, but I don't like it, man. Um, let people let if you're gonna kill off a character, you know, kill him off. Um, unless it's Killmonger, you can bring him back because you know Black Panther needs. Unfortunately, there was a real life death that shocked that franchise, and you need something to help it out. And if you're gonna bring Killmonger back, I I can understand that. But, um, no, I mean, I don't see, I don't want Iron Man to come back. I love Robert Downey Jr.'s portrayal of Iron Man. Look, I'm not the biggest MCU fan, but I think Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man is one of the best casting that's ever taken place. He's been fantastic throughout um, that whole franchise, uh, that whole freaking universe, if you will. So, I don't know if they need to bring him back. I would hope, I mean, I don't know, man. With storytelling, I would just like it to be left where it's at, and you just move forward. There's no reason to start bringing stuff back. Because, you know, just because you can't, because of the multiverse and all that stuff. So, I don't know. It's a weird feeling. It's a weird feeling. Um, I'd probably feel the same way if DC did it, because they're getting ready to start their whole um, multiverse as well. So, we'll see. We shall see. Um, speaking of multiples, yeah, how about that segue? Uh, Scream 5. Apparently, it has come out that there are multiple versions of uh, the screenplay for Scream 5, and not just of the screenplay, but of the movie as well. This is to help um, avoid any spoilers getting out. This is to help, you know, I believe, what was it, Scream 2 had a release where 
the ending was um, spoiled, and they ended up going back and uh, reshooting part of that movie because it got spoiled by a uh, piece of shit people on the internet. So, that's cool, man. I get it. I love it. I'm glad they're doing that. Scream 5, I'm very interested in. Worried about it a little bit because after going through this Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, uh, the one of the key factors I noticed is anytime Wes Craven didn't have anything to do with the movies, they didn't turn out too well. And this uh, movie is going to be the first one that does, has nothing to do really with, um, as I open my soda, <laughs> has nothing to do with Wes Craven, unfortunately, who's since passed away. But I, if I remember correctly reading about it, they tried to keep it as close to a Wes Craven feel as possible. So there, there's hope for that movie yet, but um, you have to wait a little bit. I think it's not coming out for like another year. So got to wait a little bit, but hey, we shall see what um, comes with Scream 5. It's going to be very interesting. Alright, um, next up, this is the thing I was talking about when I was getting back to earlier about um, people on the internet being hateful just to be hateful. The... I've talked about it a couple times on the show. There is a live-action version of the Powerpuff Girls coming. There's a Powerpuff Girls TV show coming, which is simply called Powerpuff. And we got our first look photo uh, since the last time we... It's the last time we conversated here, and not really conversated, I'm talking, you're listening. <laughs> so, and like the shitstorm happened, as it does when anything new comes out. I remember they did that with um, the Titans TV show, and I think people love that show now. So, and countless other shows that's happened with multiple times, and you know, people try to forget that they did that because they start loving the show, but you know, you've done it. So that first look photo came out. And, of course, it got met with hate. And it, it's it's the internet. That's what they do. It's pretty much, I mean, as good as the internet can be sometimes, it's full of a lot of, you know, shitheads who like to talk crap and be mean for no reason whatsoever other than just to be mean. So, here's my thoughts about this first photo. Um, and, you know, I'm just gonna, just gonna spew with me here. You know, just maybe a little rant. Who knows? So... We'll go ahead and say this because, you know, I see all the hate already and, of course, no surprise uh, because the world sucks. So, uh, yes, they do look different because it's live action and not a cartoon. Um, so, obviously, it's going to look different. Uh, also, guess what else is different? This show is not about them as the little girls. If you know how to read... Read a synopsis. The show isn't, has nothing to do with them as little girls like they were in the freaking TV show. Or the freaking cartoon. This is a new TV show dealing with them at an older age. Uh, that is, of course, another big thing by knowing if um, that the show's going to be different. Alright? And another big thing about knowing if the show will be good or not is... This is groundbreaking right here. Are you ready for this? Actually watching the freaking show. <laughs> okay? And guess what? The show hasn't finished shooting yet. So, you don't know how the show is yet. You can't judge how the show is because you haven't seen the show. You don't know a thing. For me, growing up, I loved the Powerpuff Girls. Loved it, watched it every time I got. I had a great time watching it. I was a fan of the show. And I'm very interested in seeing how this different take goes. Plus, on top of that, you've got the talent of Dove Cameron, and you've got the talent of Donald Faison in this show. That alone will make the show worth watching. Okay? So, you know, I get it. You're the internet. You like to shit on things. just to shit on things. The show hasn't even come out yet. You don't know how the show is. 
all this predetermined stuff about, oh, it doesn't look the same as a cartoon. Of course not. It's live action, and it's a different story. So, there you go. Rant over, possibly. Who knows? Anyways. All right. Uh, up next, director Edgar Wright and Dolby Cinema are teaming up for a very special event. Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is returning to theaters on April 30th, but not just as a re-release. It's a never-before-seen version of the film featuring enhanced audio and visuals. In a statement, Edgar Wright talked about this very special release and what it will mean for fans, going on to say, quote, Squat Pil- uh, Squat. <laughs> uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World was designed for the big screen and for the best sound systems. To be able to see it with the best specs is obviously any filmmaker's dreams. You want people to see it as good as it could possibly be. I suspect that if you're a fan of the movie, you're going to get such a kick out of seeing this. So there you go. I am a fan of that movie, actually. I like Scott Pilgrim a lot. It's been a movie that I have uh, gone into more than enough times to check out. Uh, and always had a fun time with. And the sad thing is, it's opening on April 30th. Um, and I don't think I'm going to have the chance to see it. Because my movie theater doesn't open until May 7th. So, I may have to miss that one. But, it is what it is. I hope... Whoever gets a chance to see that has a good time, man, because that is a good time movie. Enhanced special effects uh, and sound, go for it, man. Worth it. That would be worth going back to theaters to see for sure. Uh, what do we got next? Uh, Disney's Cinderella Stepsisters to get their own film written by Kristen Wiig and Annie Momo? Momo? Momolo. 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 All right. Um, and Disney Untitled Cinderella's Evil Stepsisters film is in development from Oscar-nominated screenwriters Kristen Wiig and Annie Momolo. Uh, Deadline reports that the duo will be joining forces again after the critical word in word-of-mouth success of Barb and the star go to Viesta Del Mar. Um, Jessica Album and Will Ferrell Productions will produce the film. From Gloria Sanchez Productions will produce the film. Uh, Wig and Momolo, the geniuses behind Bridesmaids, are currently co-writing the untitled fairy tale film. The film is described as a musical comedy that reimagines, 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 good freaking lord, reimagines <laughs> the Cinderella classic from the point of view of Anastasia and Drizella, 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 Tremaine. I haven't watched the original Cinderella. To be honest with you. So, the fact that I got any of those names right just then might be very suspicious. Uh, the infamous evil stepsisters. Suspicious? Why would it be suspicious? <laughs> it would just be surprising. If I, <laughs> why would it be suspicious if I got... Uh, anyways. Uh, it will span from their early childhood together, the marriage of their universally beloved stepsister, and beyond. We will follow the sisters as they struggle to uphold their family's legacy... It is unknown if Wigger Momolo will also star in the film or if Kristen Wiig will, will be reprising her role from SNL as Cinderella. There you go, man. I trust Kristen Wiig. Kristen Wiig's done some good stuff. Bridesmaids was a fun movie. And guess what? She was good in Ghostbusters, too. I'm going to try not to go on another rant because people hate that movie just because it stars girls. But it's a really good movie. Um, so there you go. I'm excited about that. I guess this will be different from the Cinderella musical being created starring Camila Cabello. Um, so a lot of Cinderella stuff coming down the pike, it seems. And two musicals. Weird. <laughs> All right. 
Um, let's see. An actor by the name of Jacob Tremblay <laughs> joins Peter Dinklage in Legendary's Toxic Avenger reboot. The reboot will follow a mild-mannered janitor at a health club who's pushed out of a second-story window by bullies into a vat of toxic waste. The chemicals cause him to transform into a hideous deformed, mutated, gifted with superhuman size and strength. Mutant. <laughs> deformed, mutant, gifted with a super, superhuman size and strength. Uh, he must go from shunned outcast to underdog hero as he races to save his son, his friends, and his community from the forces of corruption and greed. Uh, Jacob Tremblay made his film debut as Blue in 2013's The Smurfs 2. Tremblay quickly became one of Hollywood's go-to young actors. He has received a SAG nomination for his breakout performance in Room, which earned co-star Brie Larson an Academy Award for Best Actress. And Tremblay also starred in Wonder, The Book of Henry, Good Boys, and Dr. Sleep. He will voice the titular character of Pixar's upcoming film Luca, as well as Flounder in Disney's live-action adaptation of The Little Mermaid. That kid has got some stuff going on. I, um, Dr. Sleep. Dr. Sleep, good movie. Good movie. Good boys. Is that the, that's the super bad, but with kids, right? All right, cool. There you go. Toxic Avenger getting remade. Getting the reboot. All right, let's see. The upcoming Texas Chainsaw Massacre officially has a title and a rating. The film will be simply titled Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And it will be, of course, rated R for strong bloody horror, violence, gore, and language. Um, so there you go. We'll see how that goes. I'm not the biggest fan of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, as you know. That's another Patreon film franchise dive. I will be going through uh, the Texas Chainsaw films to go through my um, horror for myself. So um, I don't know, man. It'd be, it'd be interesting to revisit those films. I haven't always been the biggest fan of them. So it'll be interesting to go back and watch and see if anything's changed. You know, I always go back and visit a movie sometimes. I guess. Which means I gotta re-watch Winchester. Ah, fuck. <laughs> Alright, um, Predator films, the Predator franchise, uh, has apparently will be entering the Friday the 13th world, but not in a good way. Sorry if I got anybody excited there for a second. Not in a good way. By any means. Uh, Predator screenwriters Jim and John Thomas, who co-wrote the 1987 film, have now filed a lawsuit seeking confirmation of successful recapture rights to the franchise. Of course, the franchise is owned by who? Disney. As since they uh, owned the property because they bought 20th Century Fox. Uh, Disney has been fast-tracking a Predator sequel, which is currently shooting under the name of Skulls. Uh... Which, um, I mean, it was scheduled to go into production next month, May or June, uh, but under the, with under the direction of Dan Trachtenberg. But now it's unclear if that will be moving forward. If this uh, with the lawsuit going on, you know, it's possible that this lawsuit can end up halting things, just like the Friday the Thirteenth lawsuit has. And coincidentally enough, the lawsuit is being uh, handled by the same lawyer who's handling the Friday the Thirteenth and. Hellraiser suits. So, um, if you had your hopes up for a Predator thing, maybe kibosh those a little bit. But, with that said, Predator is owned by Disney, and Disney has got the money. And Disney will, Disney will fight for their right to Predator, I guess. Ah, uh, that sounded bad. That sounded really bad. Uh, Disney will fight for the rights to have the Predator franchise. 
make new things for their uh, movies or streaming service. Who knows? But we'll see what the, how that goes. Um, obviously, when there's more news, I will update on this show as we go forward. But, I mean, that Friday the 13th franchise has been in a rough situation for a time now. And I hope that doesn't end up happening with the Predator franchise because of all this as well. Um, let's see. Mattel, the game company, has announced plans to develop Rock'em Sock'em Robots, the tabletop game featuring battling robots, as a live-action movie starring none other than Vin Diesel. Uh, quote, to take the classic Rock and Sock'em game with Mattel as my partner and align it with the kind world-building franchise-making success we have had with Universal, it is truly exciting, said Vin Diesel whose production company, One Race Films, is working on the project with Universal Pictures. Uh, this is the latest film from Mattel, who's been doing several film... Uh, film uh, God dang it. <laughs> Mattel has several film adaptations in the works, some more curious than others. The growing list of properties in development include Wishbone, based on the 90s TV show about the well-read Jack Russell Terrier. Loved that show growing up, by the way. Great show. Uh, Barbie, starring Margot Robbie. Love it already. It's Margot Robbie. Uh, that's going to be written by Greta Gerwig. And there is an Uno movie about a heist comedy centered on the card game led by rapper Little Yachty. No idea who Little Yachty is, but that sounds a lot like Game Night, which is a fantastic comedy movie. Probably one of my favorite comedy movies of all time, starring Rachel McAdams. Check it out if you haven't checked it out. Um, but if you're going to be doing an Uno movie, do it with the freaking Da Party on uh, Up, Up, Down, Down. Be much more fun. Much more fun. Uh, let's see. They're also making a live-action uh, Barney movie with Daniel Kaluuya. Interesting. <laughs> um, Ryan Ingle, who wrote Rampage, starring Dwayne LaRock Johnson, has penned the script for Rock'em Sock'em screenplay. The story follows a father, played by Vin Diesel, and son... He's not playing the son who uh, form an unlikely bond with an advanced war machine. Role of Denzel's, or Diesel's, Denzel's, <laughs> the role of Diesel's son has not been cast yet. There you go. Um, you know, <laughs> Rock'em Sock'em Robots is becoming a film. Yeah, I'm not the biggest Vin Diesel fan. That Bloodshot movie wasn't too bad. I can't stand the Fast and the Furious films, and... I can't really say he does anything good with freaking Groot, because all he says is I am Groot over and over again, which honestly, he's just got a freaking computer to do that job. So, meh. We'll see how it goes. Again, you can't judge anything without seeing it. So, we'll see how it goes. And last bit of news. I'm actually going to play the trailer. Uh, the Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings teaser was released today, so going to cue that up. Give me a second.
smartest people in the world could kill you. Son, it's time for you to take your place by my side. That was the trailer for Shang-Chi and the Living... Uh, <laughs> Alright, that was the trailer for... Or the teaser trailer for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, releasing on September 3rd, 2021. Uh, in the latest MCU film starring Simu Liu. And you heard her voice there in the trailer, Aquafina. I think anybody can pick up on that voice. And we've also got the, looks like... The Mandarin, the actual Mandarin is going to be in this movie as opposed to whatever that was in Iron Man 3. So, there you go. I mean, watching the trailer. Uh, you know, I mean, well, first, let me go to the synopsis. Sang-Chi is a master of numerous unarmed and weaponry-based wushu styles, including the use of the gun, nunchuck, and, yeah, whatever. So, um, watching that trailer there, my first thought watching it earlier today when it came out was like, Alright, it kind of looks like Doctor Strange, and alright, a little bit like Batman Begins, which is not surprising because Batman Begins kind of helped the Marvel Cinematic Universe build what they're building. It's the truth, whether you want to admit it or not. Um, so, you know, whatever, looks fine, martial arts movie, cool. Um, more excited for it than freaking Black Widow, I can tell you that. The movie might be good, who knows, again, I haven't seen it. <laughs> I don't know how the movie's gonna be. Based on the trailer alone, there seemed like some fun stuff in there, but at the same time, there seemed like some... Like I mentioned, other movies that came up. Uh, at the end, there's like a bus in the trailer that's kind of gave me um, speed vibes, and again, Batman Begins vibes. So, um, we'll see what happens in that movie, man. But there you go. That teaser came out today. We'll see how that goes. Again, it's releasing September 3rd, 2021 which I'm sure all movie theaters will be open by then. So there you go. That's the first half of the show. That was the news. Hope you enjoyed the news. Uh, if you got any ideas or thoughts on the news, let me know. If you have any thoughts on my rant, your choice. <laughs> but again, take a break and then come back with a different kind of review this week. Be right back. Do you like to go to Halloween Horror Nights? Do you yourself like Hollow Scream, haunted attractions, ghostly encounters, and other scary things? Or maybe on the weekend, you like to summon a ghost or go find yourself a demon. If you do, then this is the podcast for you. Haunters! You can follow us every Wednesday on Podbean, Spotify, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Haunters Pod. Where we're ready to haunt you. Ah, oh, wonderful. It comes off kind of creepy. We're keeping it! You can see the eyes.
Alright, what's up everybody? Welcome back to the show where we're going to be reviewing something different, man. Normally on the show I typically do reviews for movies or TV shows or I think I did a review for a video game once maybe, possibly, I don't know. But um, this episode decided to jump into a review of an album, and not just any album, a new version of an album. The re-recording, the newest, the hottest, the best Taylor Swift album out there. And that is the Fearless Taylor's Version album that was released back on April 9th of 2021, a couple weeks ago. This uh, Fearless Taylor's Version is a re-recording of Taylor Swift's second studio album. And is being released through, through Republic Records as the first of six re-recorded albums from Taylor Swift that she is planning to re-record following a dispute regarding ownership of her first six albums. So it was awesome that this album is here. So happy that it's here. Going to jump into um, how I felt after listening to the album again. But let's just uh, talk about some stuff here. Uh, Fearless Taylor's version consists of re-recorded versions of all 19 songs from the Platinum edition of Fearless that was released in 2008. It also includes her 2010 soundtrack single, Today Was a Fairy Tale, and six additional From the Vault songs that were not included in the 2008 album. Um, so there you go. And look at this, man. More than 12 years after Swift had earned her first number one album on the Billboard 200 with the original Fearless album, this new Fearless album, Taylor's version, has become her ninth number one and among its accomplishment is the only number one album of its kind, a re-recording of an artist's own or another's previously released albums, the only one that's ever been number one. And to celebrate all that, Taylor tweeted out recently, quote, been in the studio all day recording the next one. It's really so awesome what you all have done here, Swift wrote, as she retweeted and reacted to Billboard's report that her re-recording of Fearless has launched at number one, with 291,000 equivalent album units earned in the U.S. in the week ending April 15th. So by now, it's probably sold even more records. Uh, Taylor will be re-recording her Taylor Swift album that was released 2006. Fearless, that was released 2008. That's already been out. Uh, Speak Now, which came out in 2010. Red, 2012. 1989-2014. And Reputation, 2017. As per her current record deal, Taylor already owns her three most recent studio albums, Lover, which was released 2019, Folklore, which was released in 2020, and Evermore, also released in 2020. And it seems like Swift will be celebrating all of her accomplishments with the re-release, re-recording of Fearless. Not even re-release, it's re-recording. This is brand new versions of these songs. Uh, she's celebrating this accomplishment by continuing to power through the re-recordings of her catalog, which seems that... We'll be getting even more this year. Maybe she drops all of them this year. Now, reputation might be tough. I think there's like a five-year deal. I remember her saying um, it's been five years since you know I'm allowed to now record the songs. Uh, so reputation, that came out in 2017, so it's almost there. She might have to wait another year before she can uh, do a re-recording of that album, of those songs on that album, but it is uh, definitely going to come soon. Uh, she has not confirmed which studio album release is next on her list. Some Swifties are convinced that she dropped some hints during her appearance on A Late Night with Stephen Colbert that the next recording will be 1989, which is fine. 
I personally hope that she re-records uh, Speak Now or Red next. Seeing how she just did Fearless, maybe she'll do Speak Now, which was the next album that came out after Fearless. I'm personally hoping for Red. I really like the Red album a lot. But nonetheless, I will support and be very happy with whatever uh, they deci uh, she decides to put out there because, let me tell you, man, I can't wait to talk about this album. Um, although she has, you know, like I said, she's not confirmed. Also, this album is so huge. Fearless, Taylor's version, is reigning over the official UK album's charts. And in doing so, sweeps aside a record that was set by the Beatles. You know that legendary rock band that everybody loves and uh, contributes to them and their music? A lot of artists do. Fearless Taylor's version sets a new all-time mark for the fastest accumulation of three number one albums reaching the target in just 259 days with Folklore, which hit on July 31st, Evermore, December 18th, and now Fearless Taylor's version. Until now, the record was owned by the Beatles and stood for 54 years. She just broke a record that stood for 54 years. So that lets you know right there how big of a deal this album is. And so there's there's that stuff. So all great stuff. Wanted to go through all that stuff. Um, I didn't really pull together any information about you know the re-recording process and all that stuff. But essentially what's going on here is that when she left her previous record company big machine records or whatever it's called she wasn't allowed to have her songs that she wrote it's her songs the songs don't exist unless she wrote wrote them and like they try to do some kind of deal where you um you re-sign with us for a multiple year deal and you can have your songs or something like that it's some really shitty deal that they're trying to give her and she left she went to universal republic records has all ownership of her songs now much bigger record label much bigger deal much better place for her to be. Uh, since then, her masters have been sold to somebody who has bullied her and, and all that. She was never offered the opportunity to buy her masters after she left. And it became a whole thing. And the guy, the piece of crap guy, um, has now sold those songs to some other company that he just screwed over big time by doing that. So what's going on now is Taylor, when all that was going on, said that she was going to re-record these songs as uh, once the time lifted there is a contractual time that she had to wait like again it was five years and since that time has passed she is now able to do these re-recordings and she's going to re-record all of her albums because those are her songs she wrote those songs those songs belong to her again they don't exist without her writing them and the great thing about her re-recording them is the recorded versions of the past are pretty much meaningless at this point. Um, unless somebody accidentally streams them um, or accidentally buys the wrong album, the, the people who own those old recordings are are screwed because nobody, her fans are not going to listen to that stuff. They're not going to listen to the old stuff because they know who it's going to support and they do not support that, those people. They support Taylor. They support her music, her vision, her version of these songs. So, great there. Also, the previous recordings cannot be used for like commercials or movies or anything else like that without Taylor's permission because she was the songwriter. So they can't use the songs for that either. So again, they're screwed. <laughs> they are so screwed. It's a horrible business move. And this guy's supposed to be some kind of mastermind businessman. No, horrible business move. So now that she's re-recording them, she can um, sell the songs to the commercials, sell the songs to movies, make even more money. The songs will be put on streaming services, make even more money. So... Very smart what she's doing, and absolutely love it. Very smart, very business. 
minded of her and is very hopeful to other musicians who are running into the same issue as well. So, my feelings with the album itself is I freaking am ecstatic that this thing exists. Because with uh, all the stuff I was just mentioning about, you know, the previous masters, and if you listen to them, you give uh, money to the people who have the previous masters of the other songs, and I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to, I wasn't going to do that on streaming, so I wasn't able to listen to a lot of her songs. Her song Change is one of my all-time favorite songs. My favorite song of hers and one of my all-time favorite songs ever. And I haven't been able to listen to that song in a long time because, again, with what's going on. And now, I'm able to listen to that song again. I'm so freaking happy about that. And that's my feeling with this album, is that when it was announced, I was so happy and excited about what was coming. Because this album has countless hits on it. And on top of all that, we get to a point where I get to listen to songs I haven't been able to listen to in a long time. And so, I remember... A piece of Fearless, the song, not the song Fearless, uh, the song Love Story was put into like a, I think it was like a Match.com uh, commercial around Super Bowl time or New Year's time. Um, it was actually a funny commercial. I think it was a Ryan Reynolds commercial. It was a pretty funny commercial, and I was so ecstatic and loved hearing it, and then they released the version of where you can listen to it on YouTube, and I just listened to it over and over and over and over and over again on repeat. And I was so ecstatic and so happy to be able to hear Love Story again, because again, I wasn't able to listen to these songs for so long. And I was able to listen to it, and I just fell back in love with that song, and the story of that song, and what makes Taylor, Taylor. And it was so cool listening to that again. I was just waiting for this album to come. And then when it finally released, and it released on a good day, because that day, um, after after I got off work, I was traveling. I was going to do some um, driving down to go visit my friend. And perfect timing to listen to the album. I, I was able to throw the album on, and it, as soon as the first song hits, which the first song is Fearless on the album, as soon as that first song hits, it was just like a freaking the warmest hug of, uh, you know, a friend that you haven't been able to see in forever or a family member that you haven't been able to see in forever or whatever. The analogy would be there. It just felt like the greatest embrace of just something that you haven't been able to experience in so long. And it was just so great that it came back and just went through there, song after song after song, Fearless, 15, Love Story, um, White Horse, uh, You Belong With Me, you know, so many classic songs on this album, so many songs that helped catapult her to the superstar she is today, and just being able to listen to those songs again, and then listen to all the other songs that are on, the, on this album, and then experience, you know, songs that were in the vault, never before released songs, it was just perfect, and again, like I said, I was on a drive, and just able to listen to that whole album all the way through and just, I can only imagine what people thought when they saw me driving because, again, I wasn't able to listen to these songs for so long. So when I was driving, I just had the biggest freaking smile on my face, being able to hear the songs again. I was dancing around in my car. I was singing aloud, singing around long. That was wrong. I was singing aloud the long time and it was just the, long, the whole time. And it was just so good, man. And the album is just so good. And it's like... You can hear the songs, but with her more mature voice now. And it's just, it's a perfect mix. It sounds great. If you love the songs before, you're going to love them now. And if you're not a Taylor Swift fan, check it out, man, and support what her uh, what she's doing. She's doing something that's very important to the music world. Like, music artists get screwed so bad in some of these contracts. And she wrote those songs, and she stood up for herself. And people always call her, like, a problem, and she's complaining all that. No, she's fighting for her rights, and she's fighting 
for everything that she created and I love her for it and I'm so happy that it exists. The album is great from start to finish as far as I'm concerned. Like I said, I've listened to it since then on you just let it play, man. I don't really skip songs ever. There's times where I want to hear a certain song, like I'll throw on change, like I mentioned that's one of my favorite songs, or I'll jump straight to um Love Story or You Belong With Me and Rock Out. But other than that, I just let the album play and just let all the songs play and I just I enjoy them all. Even Hey Steven, that song doesn't really talk to me in any way, but it's such a good freaking catchy song. You're like, fucking yes, man, this is good. So, I mean, the whole album is so good, and it's, what, 26 songs? Yeah, I mean, the original album was like 13 songs, and now you've got the re-release of those songs, the re-recording of those songs, plus, you know, nine, um, there you go, yeah, the re-recorded versions of 19 songs that were on the Platinum Edition, plus... Six additional from the vault songs, songs people never heard before until this album came out, and just it, it hits so well, man, and I loved it, and I still love it whenever I just throw it on, and it's so great. Like again, I could keep hammering, hammering at home, but just being able to hear these songs again after so long, of not being able to listen to them, and it's just it's it's so welcoming to be able to just be like, oh, I want to hear love story, and I can listen to it now. Instead of, ah, oh, man, I want to hear a love story, but I can't listen to it because I don't want to support the piece of shit that, you know, stole this from her. And now I'm able to be like, yes, I can listen to Love Story again. Yes, I can listen to Change again. Yes, I can listen to You Belong With Me again. It's so freaking awesome. So great. I'm so in love with this. So, obviously, as you can tell, I give two very enthusiastic thumbs up to Fearless Taylor's version, the re-recording of her 2008 album. And I can't wait to see what's coming next, man. It's great to hear that she's already in the studio working on the follow-up again. I hope that it's red, but if it's Speak Now, that is awesome as well. Um, or what else could she do? Like, I think the only one she can't do right now is Reputation. So it could be 1989. Um, but yeah, personally, uh, Speak Now or Red is what I'm hoping for. But either way, I'm going to get them all because I freaking love it. I love it so much. I have it on my YouTube music app, which I love that app, by the way. Um, I'm probably going to go buy the physical copy too as well just to support her even more and support her vision because I love it, man. I'm so happy that this is going on and I think it comes with like an exclusive poster at Target so I can hang that up in my wall because I love me some Taylor Swift. I'm a, I'm a Tay-Tay fan for sure. But yes, so happy to see the success that this is. Can't wait to see what the other re-recordings are and I can't wait to have them all again and be able to listen to all these songs I love and just get the warm embrace again of these songs being back in my life. So... As a big uh, Swifty, I guess you call it, a T-Swizzle fan, a T-Swifty fan, a Tay-Tay fan, um, I'm so happy that this is happening and I can't wait for the uh, more recordings. But as of now, Taylor's version of Fearless, make sure when you're looking up these songs that you pick up the ones that say Taylor's version on it. Very easy to find. You can see it. It says Fearless, Taylor's version. That's the right version. Listen to that version. Um, if you're looking for just certain songs like Love Story, make sure you hit Love Story, Taylor's version, and you'll get the right song and you'll be supporting the right person by doing that. So that's my review for Fearless, Taylor's version. I'm going to listen to it some more, again, for sure. Uh, maybe listen to it on my way to get my COVID shot and be, be in a good mood before they shoot me with whatever they're going to shoot me with. But um, that is going to be the episode right there. So um, that was fun, man. Album review. I don't do that often. Maybe I'll do that more in the future. I don't know. I'm not the... Um, more of a movie guy. I listen to a lot of music. I love music, but I'm not, I don't know, never thought about doing songs on the show. But again, it's Review at Rob. I can review just about anything on the show. So 
there you go, man. Awesome. Glad that was the... Was that the first album I review I've done here, I think? Cool. So, awesome. There you go. Check out Fearless Taylor's version. And should probably play a song on the way out, right? So, play a song on the way out. But before we do that, always remember that happiness can be found even in the darkest of times if one remembers to turn on the light. Talk to you all next week, next episode. Um, until then, enjoy the part of this song as uh, the close of the show goes. It's fearless. Oh, yeah. Cause I don't know how it gets better than this. You take my hand and drag me head first. Thank you for joining me this week. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get updates on all new episodes. As well, follow me on Twitter at review underscore it underscore Rob. Stay tuned for more adventures.